Hi, I'm Renelle Golden, and you're listening to the Movie Making Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Audible. Did you know Audible offers way more than just audiobooks? With an Audible membership, you can enjoy an incredible selection of content like documentaries, immersive spatial audio, and sleep meditations. Movie Making Podcast listeners can try Audible out for 30 days when they use our exclusive link. You'll also get a free credit to use toward any title with your Audible trial. Go to audibletrial.com slash moviemakingpod to sign up today. That's audibletrial.com slash moviemakingpod. Today we are here talking with Stanley Livingston. He is a director, a writer, and a producer. Welcome, Stanley. I'm so excited to have you here talking to us. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm really excited to just learn about your career and all the things that you can share with you know filmmakers and lovers of film and television um so let's just start at the beginning how did you get into this industry um well my parents moved to california uh 1948 1950 i came along we lived in hollywood and uh, when I was very young, I was, I guess, about two, three years old, my parents took me to a swim school in Hollywood. Oh. And they wanted me to learn how to swim. And uh, there were a lot of uh, Hollywood-type people there. Uh, okay. The lady that ran the swim school was very entrepreneurial and got a lot of publicity for her pool. And uh, because of that, a lot of producers, agents, ca- uh, casting people, we're bringing their kids there to learn how to swim. Anyway, there was an agent there, and she took a took a shine to me and thought I might have the right qualities. To make you were really actor. little. That's that's yeah, wild. yeah. That was about nineteen fifty four, I guess, something like that. But that's yeah, crazy. you know, I was wow. cute, a little bit extroverted. So uh, she thought I had the the right qualities. Whatever you were, those one of those little are. guys that steal the show. Like you just mm-hmm. over the room when you walk in and everyone's fascinated and entertained. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was, I, I guess I gravitated toward that, you know, nursery school, kindergarten, first grade. I, I wanted to be on all the shows and I liked the singing and dancing and oh, wow. being the host and all that. So I was already drawn to that. That's and so- uh, yeah, so it was just kind of furthering that, but in a more professional uh, way. That that is very cool, and eventually, obviously, you are known well for. Um, I think the show had like over a decade, maybe twelve years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, my my three sons, you were you right. were the little guy of, of that family. I, yeah, I started off as the uh, youngest son. I was Chip Douglas, and there was Robbie Douglas, played by Don Grady, and Mike Douglas, oh. who was played by Tim Considine. And then the, the show evolved as it went around. Uh, the years passed by. Tim Considine left. We had an original grandfather on the show, Bub, who was oh. played by William William Frawley, who most people remember from I Love yes. Lucy. Yes. Oh, wow. So, so when he left, he was replaced by William Demarest. Wow. So were you guys like family? Did did you kind of become like yeah, a family? Yeah, we were. Everything that goes with family? Yeah, anytime you work with people in a, uh, I guess you could say we did shows consecutively, uh, even before My Three Sons, I did about 
four and a half, almost five years on Ozzy and Harriet, which is where oh, I got wow. my start. Yeah, I was a neighborhood kid on that. I came on as an extra. Ozzy gave me a line to say, and he liked oh, what thought- I did and kept calling me back. So from 1956 to 1960, I did about, I don't know, 15, 20 episodes of uh, Ozzy and Harriet, and that got the ball rolling for me. Uh, allowed me to start getting movies. I did some movies mm-hmm. back then. Uh, I did the Bonnie Parker story, just an early, uh, I guess you would say, Bonnie and Clyde movie. And it was paired with another movie, AIP, who you know made all the horror films, uh, yeah. Roger Corman films. So this might have oh, been wow. just a little bit before Roger Corman, though. Uh, they were making films, exploitation films. So they paired that with Machine wow. Gun Kelly, and it was in every drive-in theater. <laughs> and then I did Rally Around the Flag Boys with Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, just, At some uh, point, your your career kind of evolved, and you you started writing. Um, you la- just, yeah, much later, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, was I that a natural a- evolution then through through being in so many things to um, become a writer? Well, before I guess I was a writer per se, I was interested on the other side of the camera. And uh, when I was about 17, 18, uh, I decided I wanted to pursue more of that and probably less of acting if the acting came to me. Great. But yeah, I wanted to be a director and and even more than that, producer where you're putting whatever you're doing together and making all the calls and talking to the people. You're like the the brains behind the operation or something. I don't know what you'd call it. If you're... If you're a producer, you are everything. Yeah. <laughs> you're the guy that brings the coffee and donuts to the set. You're the last guy to leave to make sure they picked up all the parts of the camera. And, kind of the uh, glue that right, and it all together all the, makes a jig or something. I yeah, love that. All the contracts, all the paper, and you know, depending how it got funded, you could be the manager oh, of the me? LLC. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, we can learn a lot from you too. Um, what was the first thing you um you directed? Um, I think I did some PSAs. Yeah, you know, oh, way back. Okay. I, think, I remember doing a anti-smoking commercial. That was probably about 1969, 1970. Oh, that's awesome. That is yeah. a good place to get your feet wet and to get acclimated to that for when you moved into like, you know, film and television. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, the guy that we hired went on. He, he's a pretty big character actor, a guy named Ron Rifkin. Oh, uh, he okay. saw L.A. Confidential. Yes. He played the mayor, and uh, he wow. was in. What did I watch? I just watched the movie the other night. Um, Some of all fears. He was one of the president's men in that. Right. Yeah, he was a really nice guy, and yeah, we had fun making him. Made it down in Manhattan Beach, and oh, that's yeah. really cool. Um, for some reason, I, I remember that one. <laughs> it, it must have been impactful for you. Uh, do you have like a favorite project you ever directed that made mm, that impact? Well, I, I think my most recent thing, uh, you know, it's not like doing a, a feature film, but I got to work with all my friends because I brought them into it. We were talking earlier about that, the uh, the Actors Journey Project. Yes, yeah. Which I guess I should explain what it is. Um, It's cool. uh, It was done as a documentary. What it is, it's actually an educational piece for actors. That's nothing to do with acting. That you can get anywhere. You go to mom and pop 
acting schools in whatever city you live you have in. You how to act anywhere, but this well, is yeah, you have to learn. You have to learn the art and craft of acting because that's what you're going to be doing when you're on camera if you get hired right. or on stage. Right. But there's this second component that um, you know the schools don't really talk much about, and nobody does. But as soon as you graduate from whatever school, whether it's an acting academy like you know, um, the actor studio in New York or someplace out here, UCLA, USC, you're suddenly confronted with how do I get work and how do I go about this and who do I contact and what does this mean? And this guy said that, but I have no idea what he's talking about. And what do I do first? What do I do second? What don't I do so I don't get myself in trouble? And that's never really been clearly laid out in a, a program. It's kind of both comprehensive. Yeah, it's it is. It's like a big secret. And it forces actors to kind of go off and learn it on their own or rely on other actors to get information. Yeah. And they're the worst, even if they're a couple years ahead of you. You know, they're still scrambling in the dark and trying to figure it out themselves. So I thought, why why not a program? That would teach actors all of this stuff that it took us maybe 10, 20 years to learn. It's, it's brilliant. And just it's needed. Give it give it to actors who've yeah. just gotten out of school and are ready to pursue this. Yeah. And not that, you know, it, it's still not easy, but it's a lot easier if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And what I not see a lot so. of actors, um, you know, that I, I obviously I interview them here and I've cast them and worked with them mm-hmm. over the years. But I see a lot of them. And and it's true for anybody in the industry, but they end up in kind of, I don't know how to describe it, but it's like a sink or swim. So they want to be this actor, but how do you survive? How do you buy groceries? How do you pay the rent? How do you get no. yourself in front of the right people? Like it's this, and, and my heart goes out to everybody doing this because obviously we have to love it and have a passion for it if we're going to survive. But I think something like what you're putting together sounds like it could fill in some of those blanks. And add to their success. Yeah, we we talk about that. I mean, you know, what you have to keep in mind is that every actor you see on screen, whether they're a big star, a mid-level star, or, you know, a working actor, have gone through those problems and those crises that come about as you're making your way into the industry and trying to surmount that wall from being outside the industry into the industry. and. Yeah, we have a whole uh, segment on what a lot of actors have done and recommendations. Yeah, the actor's journey, just it's not just actors giving advice. Um, you know, I thought, well, that's good, but it's kind of myopic and that you're getting this one point of view. So my idea was I wanted to bring in everybody that's kind of in the picture and, and related to having a career in show business. So I brought in directors, producers, executive producers, showrunners, casting directors, agents, managers, talent managers. Uh, I even had the uh, president of the Screen Actors Guild at the time we shot. Right. Uh, also the president of the Directors Guild at the time we shot. So you're literally getting the information for people that have done this 20, 30 years. And that's very, I cool. like to, I, I like to say they're the horse's mouth you're getting it from. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Yeah. That's very, very cool. It sounds like something that could be very helpful to them. Well, it is important who you're getting information from. One of, one of the big problems is people, you know, they go to the school, take the classes and they assume their acting teacher knows everything and has revealed everything. And that's just not, 
the case. What happened is the people that become acting teachers, maybe, you know, when they finished, tried to get in the business and some of them got a little bit of work, but they didn't stay there really long enough to get a full understanding themselves of how the industry operates, what the processes are, and what you're going to be expected to do and know if you're an actor. So they turn to teaching it. Yeah. So they've got nothing to give their students in that area. And that that's really been or the now the what? Problem what do we do? Yeah. I yeah. What do we do? And it's like, I can't help you. I didn't do it. I became an acting teacher. So yeah. if that's yeah. your career goal, you know, then take the acting classes and become an acting teacher and get a degree and whatever. But if you're trying to actually get inside the industry, uh, you need this other component. It, it, I think it'll fill a nice void. It, it sounds very um, promising and, and beneficial. We all need a little guidance and we don't get that. We get the technical, we get the structure, we get what to do on set. But yeah, yeah. Well, I, uh, you know, it's divided up into, I think there's 65 segments that comprise the actor's oh, wow. journey. Wow. And, you know, the way we originally did it, you know, we released it probably about eight years ago. I guess it was on DVD and it did fairly well. And then I went off. I had other things to do and I couldn't operate the company because it was a lot more work happens. when it was a DVD. And, and I just laid it aside. And I guess just this year I decided to basically get back to it. And I thought it would make a good candidate to be streaming media. Because oh, now okay. it's portable. You don't have to run home and plug into a DVD. You know, you yeah. may want to watch them before you go on an interview or an audition yeah. and have it right there at your fingertips or just, you know, to have it portable like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, hopefully we'll have it up by the end of the month. And, oh, wow. uh, That's yeah, fantastic. Where can people find it when it's time? It'll be, it'll be at our website, which actually is built. It's just offline until we connect up the video. Ready. Gotcha. Um, but it's, yeah, it's called theactorsjourney.com. That's where you'll go, theactorsjourney.com. Pretty simple. And uh, th there is some stuff on YouTube that I put up a while ago so people could get a feel or the flavor of the people that we brought in to do. You know, we had people teaching like Henry Winkler and Michael York. I oh, I love all these people. Wonderful. Yeah, the director directed all the Lethal Weapon movies and The Omen and Superman. Richard Donner was one of the directors we had involved. I mean, just a ton of pretty big people. Like I said, one of the criteria for bringing them in was, well, first, I had to know them and know their Fair stories enough. and know, yeah. Yeah, know what I was trying to extract out of them information-wise. Uh, but yeah, all these people to a person have 30 or more years. I think 55 of the people have either won or been nominated for Academy Emmy oh, Golden Globe awesome. Awards. So okay, they're recognized by involved. the industry. Over 100. Wow. There's over 100 people that teach this program. So it's it's, it's a little bit like master class. They kind of focus on one person yes. and all their programs or courses are kind of tailored uh, around each person that they brought yeah. in. In other words, like Ron, Ron Howard's going to teach you acting or um, Aaron Sorkin's going to teach you writing. Did a writing yeah, this, I couldn't resist. It was the marketing you're writing or something that she did. And I was like, I want to know. And she, it was, it was kind of cool. I'm like, she shared actually some stuff she actually submitted that got her those long running television series. And I was like, yeah, yeah. wow, you know, I never got that from screenwriting class. So I was like, <laughs> glad I did that on a whim. Like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> It was good. Yep, yep. Cool. Well, the, the, this 
program would probably work for actors as well as people wanting to become directors because uh, it's it's the same industry you're trying to get into and it's that same kind of work ethic that's involved and what actors learn is uh you know it's really dependent on you you know if you go oh i got an agent i can sit back go to the beach now well you're totally wrong you know they work in conjunction with you but you're still going to do most of the heavy lifting footwork you you need to do the footwork and the investigative work and you know you're constantly even though you'd maybe graduated and got a degree in in acting yeah um you're still expected to be training and keeping your skills totally sharp so it means you're a you're in an acting school your whole life basically if you're going to be an actor because you can go rusty pretty pretty quick yeah you you need to fall in with some people yeah and you know it's good to mix it up you know not just get in an acting class but get in see what it has to offer learn it and then move on to another person who's teaching this who might have you know a little bit different point of view and different skills that they're teaching so it's like the work you know you do certain kind of work but then the next time you work you may be playing somebody completely different right yeah involves different skills so yeah that it's required i you know i think a lot of people are you know one of the biggest mistakes i think actors make is some of them walk out we go on an acting call and it turns out to be for a union movie and they go in they got a couple lines so you don't have to join the union at that point but a lot of people because they have that voucher in hand walk in and plunk down whatever it is three thousand dollars and become members of the guild but the reason you don't want to do that is in the beginning of your career there's more non-union work going to be open to you and if you've joined the union you're not allowed to do that and if they catch you doing that you'll be thrown out of the union never to get back in it so it's very short-sighted to do that it sounds like it's the thing to do but it's really not it's it's tough and um, right now i know so many sag actors that you know i get why they're on strike i think it's very critical that that's resolved especially these ai issues and stuff but they're hurting they're hurting oh yeah they're like catering at restaurants now that had jobs on tv shows for multiple years in these popular series and they're now catering getting up at 4 30 in the morning and working till 5 30 at night and i'm just like oh god scary well well guess what even if even if there isn't a strike they could unless you're really well healed have that second job but you know i have a whole segment on that in the after journey it's great to work as a waiter but there's other kind of jobs that you can do yes that don't necessarily mean you have to be an actor but if you are one you can get a lot of information that will be helpful to you as an actor or you're meeting people and you're kind of wherever you yeah you're rubbing (laughs) yeah you're rubbing elbows with somebody who might be able to do some good for you and you know i mean you know part of it is you're trying to show them what you can do as an actor but a lot of it they're bringing you in and just assessing you as a human being and whether they like your personality uh you know um you know, I've been meetings in my own career, you know, where people size you up and yeah. decide whether you can do the role. And that's long before they send the script to you. True. You know, hope, hopefully you get known for doing a certain kind of thing. That's probably yeah. the most beneficial thing of all. And then you've got to figure out what that thing is. That's the problem. Your image, your type. Yeah. You nail that down. You can be going, uh, you know, I think I'm a leading man when you're you're not. And if you keep going out on roles like that and you're never booking a part, well, it could be a, di- 
yeah, you know, that may be in your mind's eye, but not the industry's yeah, mind's eye. It's yeah. How do they see you and to determine that so you can figure out what you're what you're right for? You know, um, not everybody's right for certain roles. So. That's true. And they have to be OK with that. And that's something I watch a lot of people come to terms with. And, um, you know, even me as a writer, because that's what I my primary thing is. It, it's it's tough sometimes because people want something that might not be what I do. And yeah. like comedy, don't ask me to write comedy. I can make you cry, but I probably can't make you laugh. Maybe in real life because I'm sort of weird, but I don't think I could do it in my stories. Mm -hmm. But so yeah. you've watched this industry change over the years. What do you think about that old adage sort of that um people need to move to hollywood to get into hollywood do you think that's still true today does it still help it's another thing we talk about in the actors that, <laughs> but uh oh, we no, gotta watch that no the the answer is yes and no um, gotcha. yeah you'll eventually want to come out here but it's not good to come out here empty-handed meaning you need to take your classes, get trained wherever the hell you are. It doesn't have to be yeah, in Hollywood. Have something behind um, and then I think it helps to work where you are uh, because it's a smaller talent pool. So you have more of a chance of getting in. Um, and then Boy. whatever, yeah, whatever you can do, you, what you really want to come out here with is a reel of some sort, whether yeah. you did it by working in independent films that were shot in your city and Films are shot all over. You don't, you know, yeah. they're not just in LA or New York or Florida yeah, anymore, but they're they're all over. Here in right. So what you want is right. You want a good piece of film on yourself. Yeah. Um, that counts more than anything. And yeah. you know, if it's commercials and film part, because what happens is the reason you want that is when you do move to Hollywood, you've got something to show an agent that's out here. And they can see your work. One thing is meeting you, but what have you done? And what do you look like on film? And, you yeah. know, they'll judge your capabilities. Right. And here's the other thing. You come out here with nothing. Uh, there are people that are here that got here before you and that have, are starting to make their way into the industry. It's a number so you got your, You're one of many. You got, all right. You've got your reel from Cleveland, which may be some local commercials or maybe an independent film shot here. The people that are here and have been here a while, they have the same clips. However, it's on primetime TV. It's on primetime cable shows. They have scenes with the stars of the show in the clip with them, talking to them. And that trumps whatever you're coming here with. Yeah. I mean, it's better than nothing because you have to have that to get in. But yeah. that that's really what you're trying to do is get yourself cast and hopefully cast in a scene where, you know, you have dialogue, even if it's, you know, a couple lines where you're holding counts, the for right? Al Pacino or you're, you know, talking to Ben Affleck for two minutes. Here's your car keys, sir. That's better you're than still anything. There, you yeah. yeah, I love yeah. that. So yeah, we teach people to, you know, that is really what you're aiming for at first. And you know, just being attentive, yeah. you know, and, and don't the other things people think they shouldn't do extra work. I'm completely against that philosophy. I think as long as you're not in the union, I would, I think you're better off going, okay. getting hired as an extra, you know, not really to be the extra, although you'll do that work, but you're there to observe, see how this stuff's done, see how that director works, oh. see how the actor that's working with that director works. So if you're paying attention and not just there eating up the catering, <laughs> you know we're talking I've girls that, though, but yeah. Extras. yeah yeah you that's not this work yeah you know so and you want to be dependable uh yeah. no matter what you're doing whether it's an extra or whatever and 
You know, you want your ear to the ground because sometimes actors don't show up and they immediately will turn to an extra and go, anybody here have any acting experience? Yeah. And, that's you know, so a cool. hand will go up and you just replace somebody just and you went from somebody, right, who wasn't, and you know, you came in as an extra, but, you know, sometimes it's not just a line. You'll have a whole scene with two oh, pages wow. of dialogue. True. It can happen. Yeah, what do you think about because things are so different from like even 80s to now. What do you think about actors and social media and branding themselves? Um, You know, it's kind of, I guess, a measuring stick or a yardstick of popularity. But I'm like, how does this really work? I mean, I don't know. And I I guess you, you, you can look. You can look at those numbers and go, wow, this guy's got like 100,000 people following or 200,000 people for this girl. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're maybe not making money. You got friends or followers. I don't know how that translates. But to them, I I, I don't really know what it says. To me, you know, out of the era I came in, it didn't mean a goddamn thing. Yeah. I was on a show that had 60 million people watching it every week. But when it came time to get out there, when I was an adult actor trying to go from, say, being known as a, a TV actor and maybe right. slightly stereotyped to get into films, there was a lot of casting directors that wouldn't see me because wow. I had just come off a TV show and they felt I was too well known as the character that I played. And my my take on it is, hey, potentially 60 million people will come and see me. Yeah. And about the other actor. So you're missing out, not me. Yeah. You are. So yeah, yeah I had a fight. We're kind of from the same so, time period. So yeah. 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 Wow. I mean, that was short sight. That changed though in the you know eighties, nineties when you saw people who were on TV shows like all the people in Friends say got a shot at a movie career. You know, that was something that was just not gonna happen. The doors were slammed in your face. If you've yeah. been on that show back in the sixties, friends, that would have been the end of your opportunity. They go, we don't want to see you. We know you're Jennifer Anderson, but that's the problem. You're Jennifer Anderson. Where, you know, those people that did it got at least got a break. You know, they yeah. got to graduate in the film industry. Hopefully they got into a film that resonated, whether they were were responsible for that or not i don't know but the fact that you're in it but that that can happen to everybody what you're looking for is is a part that can transform your career and i mean certain films have done that for actors if you look at a film like american graffiti yeah yeah, i mean everybody that worked in that film ended up with a career afterwards whether it was on tv or movie career i know paul did paul lamette you know did a bunch of really high profile films ron howard you know, went on to a couple other films and then Happy Days and then finally to a directorial oh. career that that's yeah. really what, what he wanted to do anyway. So it kind of opened yeah. a lot of doors. For I him was watching everybody. Uh, is it Henley Wrinkler? Wrinkler? Uh-huh. Yes. I, yeah. I was watching him recently in, in the work he was doing in the show Barry. <clears throat> and oh, yeah. my God, I just love him and what he can do on screen. And it was yeah, funny was. because, you know, I grew up with those shows and, um, you know, we always thought of him as the Fonz. And I remember going, mm-hmm. wow, watching Barry, his character in particular. I'm like, oh, my God, he's so mm-hmm. good. Just yeah. so well, good. He was a good actor right from the start. He just, was. Yeah. He sort of over overcame being hysteria. He, you know, he was right on the edge of them giving you another chance and maybe realizing, yeah. wow. 
you know, a hundred million people like the Fonz, you know, one percent come, it's a hundred thousand people come into your movie. Hey, ten percent yeah. anyway. Yeah. Um, but wow. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, it helped that the people that you're working with, you know, one of them was Ron Howard. Guess who used that does uh, help. Yeah. Does. Yeah. You know, it does. But yeah. it would be such a shame, like, for people to be stereotyped and not get those opportunities. Like, you know, it's better now, but, it, it, but it's. It's a very short window. You get a couple chances if you you know have a success and yeah. people want to use you again. The second you have a bomb, it's like bam, you're <laughs> the door shut. Yeah, and you got you got to do this all over again. I mean, yeah. your agent can drop you even though you had success. It, it's very fickle industry. A little bit and, scary. You know that. Yeah, you what you don't want is success. I tell people, you know, you want success, but you don't want it too early in your career. Because you really need to learn the industry and, and right. the components that I'm talking about before that happened. Because if you got in there, you lucked out, you had some success, you did four or five things, and then your agent dies and suddenly you don't have an agent anymore and you're shopping for an agent. It can be, I don't care who you are, really tough to get another agent. You yeah. Say, well, that, that guy already had his time. I don't want to waste my time. Wow. And, uh, and if you don't know what you're doing, and because everybody did everything for you, because you're an immediate success, you're in a di at a disadvantage. I always think new actors, that's the thing that they have to remember that they do have in their favor. You're new. This industry thrives on new and fresh faces. They're yeah. looking for the next Brad Pitt or the next Henry Winkler. Yeah. You know, those guys have already had their shot and either have a career and it's going, but you know, they're looking for somebody new. Throughout your um, career, you know, you, you've kind of done, oh my gosh, I think you've done everything. I don't know if you've held the camera, but you, you know your way around. I do hold the camera. Yeah. yeah. So I learned cameras when I was 18. I went to college. And, oh, wow. Uh, you know, learned all about operating. Of course, those were film cameras. So I also ended up having to learn about film stock and laboratory procedure. That was hard work. Know, submitting your negative, getting a work print back, cutting a work wow. print on a movieola and all that it became easier with with video and then video eventually became digital which is kind of a hybrid thing that has you know the visual qualities yeah. of film almost um and you know you that, have, that was a great place it, it is it, it's amazing to me the whole process do you have a favorite thing like actor director like did you ever prefer one role over another or were they as an actor good? you mean no as an actor as a person in the film industry because you've been a director you've been a producer yeah. you've been a writer you've been an actor mm -hmm. did any of those like steal your heart where you're like i just want to do this or were yeah you i, I want to say it's, it's it's first producing and then next directing okay. uh, you know because that what it turned out not to be a good fit for me it wasn't the fact that I didn't like being an actor. I did. But like you say, the mechanics around it and the processes around it yeah. kind of were getting on my nerves. Ah. And I, and it was only because of, you know, my personality to not like sitting there reliant on somebody else to call me for work, you know, waiting ah. for the phone to ring and going in on an audition and waiting for the phone to ring again. And I just felt myself sitting there like waiting for things to happen when I'm the sort of guy that I, I'd rather make things happen. Get her done, that. Kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so yeah. I, I'm the guy that wants to. I want to pick up the phone and organize something and go do it. it. Uh, I don't like waiting. 
And I mean, that's something that I think actors do now or do more of uh, when I first put this project together. That would be the only thing if I was to add something to it. And maybe I still will. Was to tell actors, you don't want to wait around, but well, you you know, I would love that. (laughs) You know what? You could probably watch the actor's journey and you would get exactly what you need out of it. Maybe not the technical stuff, but I wasn't really teaching the technical side. I mean, that you sort of, you know, you go to school and you learn cameras and lenses. I mean, to be really honest, you could probably shoot a movie with it by an iPhone. Cell phone. I've seen yeah, you, the newest one you can that it has more megapixels in it than, you know, I had a Canon 5D, uh, Mark, Mark three, whatever is 5D yeah. Mark three. Wow. And it only had like 24 megapixels full frame, but, um, yeah. you know, you have this huge dynamic range and you could use lenses, but if you're careful and know what you want, you could shoot it. The only thing you can't do with it is record the sound. You know, same thing even with a professional camera. Yeah. You know, basically, you do record it, but for me, it becomes like a temp track. Yeah. So, you know, guide you along. But you, you want the sound recorded through, a, you know, the most expensive mic you can get your hands on with a guy that's a good boom operator and a or good recorder who's recording. Yeah, even better is Sheps. If you can get a Sheps oh. mic, oh, that's okay. the best as far as I'm concerned. It's S-H-O-E-P-S. How'd you I know think I was they made... that down? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could tell. But, I haven't used one of those you know, yet. You psychic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, you, what you don't want to do is use like a Radio Shack mic or some oh, of the lower end ones. Oh, I but mean, I how they, how they get great movie quality sound is that almost everybody uses the Shep's mic. Oh, wow. And okay. um, yeah, so that, that's the best. But, you know, still, you need a good recorder to so sit in there with earphones and Telling you, yeah. coming back, not just recording it, but, hey, I heard something, shoot that again, because I don't know what it was, or I hear a buzz, or yeah. somebody burped in the Sound back. Sound guys are so it's- important. I've noticed in the indie film level that a lot of times the sound guys, even if they have a good reel and you bring them on, they are scared to call it, like airplane or you know the AC. They don't say a thing, and you don't know they, until you're in they, the They need... No, you need. They need to be given permission to call it, because yeah. the bottom line is, when you make a you make a film, and like I said, it's pretty easy to get it look good just because of the dynamic yeah, range and what you know. You, even if you shot it with a Aeroflex or you shot it with a, you know, an iPhone, it, it looks yeah. good if you've lit it right. But where the audience is not forgiving is if the sound sounds have tinny like this. Oh my God! Yes. And which is what you're going to get. Yeah. yeah, that you can't you can't fix that. So yeah. that's why you know when you look at Hollywood studios, when there's a scene on the freeway, that's why they take over the freeway, <laughs> and there'll be just a couple cars there, yeah. and they'll put in the traffic sound later at at the level they want it, so they get the dialogue, you know, completely clean or as clean as you can get it. Yeah, uh, that's what they're striving for. But if you don't do that. When so you're shooting or you allow sounds or buzzes to be there, they're baked in, you know, it's yeah. underneath the dialogue and there's not much you can do about them. You know, that you... We fix it and post is BS. Yeah, it's not good. And ADR, I, I have never loved how it comes out. It, it works if you right. have to, but it, I don't love it. Sound, it always sounds flat to mm-hmm. me. And then, you know, you try and put That's some right. ambience under it or room tone yeah. and even still, it's, you can always tell it's been recorded somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah, you really yeah, can. Just, 
Have you, um, are you still um, actively or um, like producing and, and doing things or are you just working on the actor's journey right now? So no, I'm working question. on the actor's journey right now because I just want it off my, you know, plate of it's things off my desk. Must do it. And, and it was such a long and tedious project because I had to go out and raise the money for it, which was this whole, that took longer than making the whole thing. Uh, oh, wow. With some, you know, people that raise money and brokers and attorneys and all that kind of you stuff. You have amazing people. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. And then you go to shoot it. That's kind of your, re- like an actor, that's your reward. I yeah. always tell actors, you know, when you're looking for work and doing the things you should be doing, that's the work. When you get a role, that's not work. That's the reward. The work <laughs> the is work the work to get work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh that's your gosh. reward for whatever you did to get that job. So, and same thing if you're a producer. You know, yeah. you struggle for years to get something done. And then, you know, when you get the money, you, you probably shoot it in two months and then it's over and it's in post. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. wow, I went through all that for just this little period of time you know but that's it post-production is really long does that yeah, yeah. <laughs> well this this was particularly long because like i said it was like a it's an unscripted project so, yeah oh and i couldn't have anybody help me because i'm listening to what the actors or producers or directors saying and assessing whether i wanted that in or whether it was right. valid you know when i handed it off to an editor first when i did have one or two of them they kept calling me over. Is, is this guy, what he's saying? Is this good? Is this what you want? I'm like, oh, oh God, I'm going to have myself. to do this myself. Yeah. So it, it was like a three, to make it seamless, it was about a three-year editing process. Wow. And then I realized we were missing some things, and I had to go back into production and shoot some other stuff. And then I thought I would bring in a host, you know, get a celebrity host for it. Oh. And, uh, yeah, well... You didn't yeah, thank really God. Name this, one. I, name, names will be not mentioned here, but they got busted for for drugs. I'm like, if I would have used them and they would have been my host, that would have been the end of my project. Oh and I was like, great, God. you got a guy who who's got all kinds of problems is now doing drugs and oh, probably going to do do time. Uh, you know what? And I just thought, you know what? I I trust me. I'll, I'll show up. Oh, I know what the go. stuff is, and yeah, I'm not teaching it, so I'll just get you from segment to segment and. That'll be my little contribution here, and you know, yeah, the the big big fish they'll they'll tell you what to do and how to do it, you know. So that's the way I ultimately did it. But yeah, that scared the hell out of me because it's just like, wow, you could have, you know, five years of your life erased because of some jackass. Oh my god, yeah, not not what he's seen. So yeah, you know, it It is what it is. What um one one final question and then um I would love to do our five for five. They're just goofy questions so people can know about you as a person. Um they're not too personal though. But um okay. what advice would you give somebody, actor or otherwise, entering the entertainment industry? Um, well, like I said, the main thing is getting yourself educated. You know, educated in two ways. One on the acting side, the art and craft of acting, uh, which doesn't end even though you graduated from some school or academy right it goes on and on and on i mean yeah there's other reasons that it goes on you're meeting other actors you're meeting other people you have your ear to the ground if you're graduating you're just by yourself you you know you're dead in the water yeah um and then that other component the business side which is probably as important i mean you can't be an actor without learning how to act but the other side is you won't be an actor unless somehow you're able to learn the business business of acting 
yeah, it's just, uh, it just takes too long. You'll run out of funds. You'll be disgusted, yeah. disenchanted, frustrated, all, yeah, all the yeah. words of like, wow, I thought I was, you know, going to be welcome, especially people that, you know, go to Yale or Harvard and have spent north of a hundred thousand. And yeah, they think the industry a, is waiting can. for them with open arms. Nobody cares. No. They don't even care that you went there. That's the crazy part. Yeah. They care yeah. about what's on your demo reel. Yeah. They just or. care. Do you look like your picture and can you deliver when mm-hmm. you get in the room? Yep. And what are you like and what can they find out about you? To oh, make my sure gosh. You're so true. Reliable. Yeah. yeah. They have to get insurance. And if you're a wacko and cause them problems, that where they've got to use the insurance. Believe me, you'll never work again. <laughs> oh my God. I never thought of that. That's true. That is true. Well, wow. that's why I always tell people, look, get whatever you're doing with drugs, get it over with. Cause you know, you may have to see a doctor before you are approved to be in the video Do that you know, or the movie that you're in. And yeah. you know, they'll come back to person and say, Hey, wow, this guy's like got all kinds of drugs in his body. And yeah, it for the producers like, well, I'll pass. It's just easier to get somebody that doesn't have those liabilities. There's enough. Yeah. There's next yeah. next option. It's, it's just next. Yeah. Wow. yeah. Wow. Well, you have been awesome to talk to. I bet I could talk for hours just learning, but um <laughs> I, I'm sure you've got things to do. But I'm gonna ask you five goofy questions. Um okay. here we go. All right. Question number one What's your favorite food? Mm, Mexican food, taco. Mexican's great. I love it. I love it. Um, I'm even California. I'm sorry. Did I say that <laughs> loud? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Next question. What's something non-film related that inspires or motivates you in life? Paintings, like paintings at the museum, but it still crosses back um, to the entertainment industry. Yeah, you know, when I first wanted to be a producer, and I thought at times I may have to be the cameraman, I wanted to go there and study what I thought, you know, because you can't really impart that. You have to see yeah. something to know what it is. But going yeah. to a museum is a great chance, especially in New York, to look oh, at yeah. you know, master paintings and look how the people are positioned, the composition, where the lighting's come from, the lighting source, and trying to remember that. So when you set up mm-hmm. scenes, you know, I mean, you know, you could turn on a light bulb and that's your thing, but you yeah. know, somebody else put the light bulb over here, maybe put a color on it and maybe shield it a certain way. You know, so you're going from just having light to trying to do something artistic. And with all it all ties too. back in. Every time I look at art, I, I see a story. So yeah. you kind of are seeing a story. It's beautiful. Yeah, you are. Yeah, I love that. Okay, um, next question. This one's hard. I, I don't know how I'd answer it. But um, what is something that you have always dreamed of doing, but maybe haven't done yet? Mm, that's a good question. Probably traveling more. Traveling. <laughs> Although I don't even know if I want to do that in this day and age. Right now, I'm a little like, scared. Yeah. Like dangerous. Yeah. California. Yeah. If you go to Europe or God, God forbid you went to Israel, I'd be on a plane oh, coming no. back. But just about anywhere, there's just crazy people out there. And a lot of them don't like Americans. And, yeah. You know, you, you just don't want to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. But, and you have no yeah, I, I still would probably like to travel, even if it was just. In the United States, it just seemed like I was always working, never got to do it as much. I'd, yeah. I'd just like to get on, get on a train and go across Canada. Yeah, that would be I awesome. That would be cool. cool. Yeah. I mean, I've 
flown so many times that I don't even look out the window anymore. You know, I roll my jacket up and I go to sleep. Go to sleep yeah. Landing in Washington or New York. Yeah, it's like I've seen that too many America, times. Matt. Okay, train yeah. is in your future. Got to go on a train trip. Okay. Yeah. Number four. What is your favorite song to sing when you are driving in your car? Probably a Beach Boys song. Yeah. I just, you know, sense. I was into the Beach Boys. Well, I was into the Beatles when I, you know, I mean, I always liked the Beach Boys. They came first and I loved every song that they had out, but somehow I transitioned into the Beatles and kind of thought them as more as audience, as artists. Right. Um, but I went back about four years ago um, and started rewatching and listening to Beach Boys songs, especially the later stuff. And I'm just blown away and now that this really pains me to admit that i think the beach boys were better than the beatles i mean if you listen to the music that brian was creating later like surfs up or you know warmth of the sun those kind of songs are just mind-blowing you know intricacy for harmony yeah i mean well i like groups that had harmonies i remember when i was a kid because i was always in the music yeah we lived uh, near hollywood sunset boulevard where wallach's music city was my dad would go there and we had little booths where you could audition records so he'd be in there with his opera records and i'd have like chubby checker i'd have chuck berry or yeah you know, oh. just different people that I liked, yeah. including Beach Boys uh, records. And uh, yeah, so from an early age. But I, there was also stuff that I liked that I couldn't tell my friends that I liked, like the Letterman, the Four Preps. I was into that harmony sound, that yeah. four-part harmony. I love most And then come, come to find out, that's really what the Beach Boys were all about. When I, you know, watched, I probably watched like 20 documentaries on Brian, because I thought, where did that sound come from? And it turned out... He was more upfront about it. He liked that four-part harmony, liked all those college-styled groups that had the four-part harmony. And then all what he did is he took that and said, well, I like rock and roll, too. How about if we took the four-part harmony and hook it up with Chuck Berry? See? There you and go. that's what they were doing in the I beginning. Love that. I mean, like, unbelievably successful with that. It was like a, a new sound, but kind of pulled from the fusion yeah. of two different things that um, but as the music progressed and got more intricate and complicated and almost like you listen to a church choir or something, you know, some That's of the, too much harmony. That, who knows? But. Yeah. 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 I'm just like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Some, some of the songs and hearing other people do it. Uh, and on surf stuff, they had, I, I saw him once, I think in the Greek theater by accident, I went to see somebody else, but he was the opening act was Vince Gill. Oh, oh and he's yeah. kind of a, country guy and yeah, yeah i just wasn't ever really into country stuff. but I, I walked away thinking wow that guy was talented had a really good voice but if you ever have a chance there's a video up with him doing surfs up oh my god it's, it's probably better than brian yeah oh no yeah. way and wow. then I, I just found a, a little piece of a documentary where somebody interviewed him now about that because that was probably 20 years ago when he did it and uh he said he got invited because it was like a thing where they were and honoring uh, Brian Wilson. And he was one of the guys, I think it was David Crosby, Jimmy Webb, him, some other people. And they asked him to sing surf stuff and he never heard it. So anyway, what happened was he said, um, OK, yeah, I'll do Warmth of the Sun. And he was familiar with that, but he never heard surf stuff. Somebody sent it to him and he was like, came back, called him and says, are you crazy? Are you kidding me? I, how are you going to do this song? He's like so <laughs> intricate, so many. I, 
I, I don't think I could sing that. I oh, can't wow. sing that. And the guy just said, well, you know, why don't you sit huh. with it for like a week and just see, see what you can do with it. Oh, wow. And okay. uh, anyway, what he ultimately did with it is is beyond belief. I, I mean, I'm blown completely did he just away. Did it on stage or did he release it? I don't yeah, know. it's on stage. He actually That's does it with Jimmy Webb singing part of it. And then the last part sung oh, by wow. um, uh, David Crosby and then the three of them. But oh, the, the way the yeah, harmonies nice. are interlaced is, oh. is beyond beyond belief oh i wrote that down voices. I'm for it yeah That's check that out yeah just go to youtube type in surfs up there's a version where brian sings it not originally although you can find that too but apparently that concert that was done he does it there was probably about 15 years ago and his voice is still pretty good he's not doing the high-end part anymore um in fact it's al jardine's son that does that right. and then look for the look for the one with vince gill because I, you I will, will that's cool i i have never seen anything like that that i just thought it was un, unreal he's wow. kind of amazing. what a voice yeah. what yeah. a voice he he's pretty cool i mean i'm not a country person but he's cool okay I, i'm not either i didn't know he had that kind of range yeah i would have never guessed actually because i don't, I, I don't even want to tell you what david crosby when they were done he walked by him and flipped him off and said f you <laughs> he was like so jealous <laughs> he's like that's what he, that's what he said to him. No. <laughs> yeah, I, even he was just com- oh god you know, completely blown that's away so yeah it's, it's oh, mind-blowing Wow. Okay. Oh, well, I, with that, I'm going to ask my last question and then we will close. But what is your favorite movie? The Sting. Really? The Sting? Yeah. With Robert oh. Redford and Paul Newman. Yeah. Um, Outstanding. A buddy of mine worked on that. Yeah. A guy named Robert Crawford, who was Johnny Crawford's brother. Uh, yeah. Anyway, he was working for George Roy Hill, the producer director of it. And he gave me an because this is when I was writing. He said, "Hey, do you want you want the script?" And I said, "Well, do you have the original script that came in before you guys rewrote?" And he oh, goes, well, wow. "We really didn't do that much that much rewrite." He goes, we, "This never happens. Usually, you get that doesn't happen. It's rewritten to death." Yeah, so he gave me the original and the final shooting script. Did they sign it or, would, or did they did very little changes to it? It was just a perfect script. So it's rarely not even comes scribbled in all over or anything. Nope, nope. That's they changed amazing. the name of the characters. They cut a scene, and I think they added a scene, and okay. it was pretty much what what came across oh, the transom into their office. That's so yeah, I know. I that. I mean, wow. Well, what I liked about the movie, it's cool to watch, and it has some great twists and turns. But the greatest twist and turn of the movie is, you know, they pull a sting on the bad guy and get his money. Yeah. The movie pulls a sting on the audience. That's true. You think you know what's going That's, on, and at the end, you find yeah. out you, what you thought was happening isn't what was happening. We need great movies like that again. That's very it's cool. Really, really written very well. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Well, Stanley, you have been a delight to talk to today. Thank you so much for hanging out with me and sharing your information about oh, the yeah. actor's journey and your career. And uh, I can't wait to see when it comes out. So. All right, well, I'll send, you a, I'll send you a text or drop you a line or something, let you know what's up. Take a look at it. I will check it out. I will. All, All right. right. Thanks for having me on. You have a great day. You too. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye now. Movie Making with Renelle Golden is brought to you by Samira Entertainment. 
supporting indie films and the filmmakers who create them. Stop by their website to learn more, www.samiraentertainment.com. That's www.samiraentertainment.com. You've been listening to Movie Making with Renelle Golden. Be sure to come back for our next episode where we bring you the people who make movies you love. Got a topic about filmmaking you want to hear on our podcast? Send us an email at moviemakingpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.